This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 38. In our last episode, we talked about connecting to our brain and how to design what we want our life to look like. I hope you've had a chance to apply some of the tools that we discussed in your life and create the changes in your life that you've been wanting to see. Now this week, I'd like to continue this conversation of connecting to our brain and to ourselves. the tools of language spoken and unspoken, looking at our emotions and our emotions triggers, looking at our stressors, the mental and emotional stressors, creating a new set of tools for resilience and overcoming burnout. My guest today is an expert in this area, and I think you're going to love our discussion and the actionable tips on using these tools to create the change that you want to see in your life. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Maisha Claiborne. Dr. Claiborne is an integrative family physician, master practitioner, and trainer of of neurolinguistic programming, hypnosis, and timeline therapy, and founder of the Mind Remapping Academy. And I love all of the things that you do, Maisha. I'm excited to have you here. For anyone who doesn't know, Maisha is my coach. And find all of the things that you incorporate in your coaching to be so powerful. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey and how you found yourself where you are now. And also, if there's been any moments of burnout or overwhelm, how you've really navigated all of that. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much, Dr. Serene, for having me on. I love, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of what you do, of the habits, the productivity, all of that. I'm just a huge fan. So I just thank you for giving me the space to be here with you and to get to have another chat. By the way, folks, she was recently on my podcast. So I'll mention towards the end, but yeah, I just appreciate you allowing me to be on. Like you said, I, my, my background is family medicine. So that's what I was trained in. And I, I would say I was never a normal doctor. And I love that. I practiced integrative medicine for 10 years in my private practice board before I came to do what I do now, which is teach people the tools of language spoken and, and, and unspoken, as well as teach people how the process of that they think and what's behind their emotions, their emotional triggers and their negative thought processes so that they can actually get in front of and be at the source of all of the, the results that they want to create. 
create in their lives. But before that, people say it wasn't always this way. But how I got into such uh, what some people would say esoteric training is it started in college. Uh, I, I was a psychology major. So I've been fascinated with the brain, with behavior, with why we do things. But I also was fascinated with the body. So then that led me into medicine. But somewhere along the way, I was introduced to things like yoga and Reiki and mind-body connection and traditional Chinese medicine. So it allowed me to then be able to see that there are two paths to anything, right? There are multiple paths, not two paths, multiple, infinite paths to anything. And so I took the medical path, knowing that I was going to integrate other things in to make me what I feel to be a better doctor. And that's what I ended up doing. In my training, I trained to be a practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. I trained to be a hypnotherapist and I fell in love with it because of the depth of impact that I started to make with my clients, with my patients. And I went from getting results because I was having them eat good food and working with their lifestyle to having phenomenal results because I was getting to the root of was in their resistance to make changes in the first place. We're getting to the root of the stressors, the mental and emotional stressors that led to their dis-ease. And so then I said, you know what? I'm going all the way. I'm going to, I'm going all the way. I'm going to train people in this. And that obviously didn't come till much later when I transitioned out of medicine. But for me, it really has been a matter of helping people understand themselves so that they can help themselves. And for those who decide to become coaches like you, like they can help others. So that, like the short version of the journey? Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was just listening to some of the things that really resonated for me as well is we do get into the spaces of just feeling this unease, this disease. And we wonder, okay, so what's next? I think that I hear not just in Madison, overwhelmingly in moms, especially during the pandemic and, but moms and dads, people who don't have children, there's just been such a huge feeling of overwhelm, of burnout, feeling what's going on? What is this? And, and then of course, during the pandemic, one of the things that have come up is having to, having to deal with some of these struggles. Yeah. We have built such a community around us. And then even for me, one of the struggles during the pandemic has been managing some of these things by myself. Now, now that there's a vaccine out and everything, and we are starting to do more things, but travel is still not quite the same and we're not doing things quite the same way. I would love to get your perspective on that space of understanding ourselves, coming back to ourselves again, because we humans by nature are social creatures. We're meant to hang out in, in tribes and communities. And now we're doing some of these things alone in a way that we've really never had to. And then you add overwhelm, the burnout, which was already there before, but like you now have to do it alone. Just what are some thoughts or words of advice that you might have in that space? I think that in terms of my thoughts around this place of knowing ourselves in any circumstances, I think what it allows us to do is to, to understand the ways that we can best take care of ourselves. You had asked me earlier if there were any points of burnout in my, in my life, and I experienced burnout way back in residency. Now, for those of you listening, and if, I don't know if maybe you've been watching a video, but I look young. All right, we both look young, but my I did my residency back in 2000. 
2021. So this was before the language of burnout really was like out there. And I, it was just like before the 80 hour work week came into play, like we were in that transition and it was a time when you just put your head down and worked. But what I found was for me, it was, that was oppressive. Like I came home one day and I was like, I quit. Like, how did I get myself into such this deep, dark hole? And I just, I quit, I quit life. And luckily or blessedly, I did not quit life that night. I called somebody Mm -hmm. and called a bunch of people actually. And so what I learned from that was that I, and and I just feel really grateful to have this to, for this to have clicked for me, because I think that for so many, it doesn't click as, as early and either people go down the road into this sort of like humdrum rat race, thankless job, or they take themselves out. So that's, and that, that's what we're seeing a lot of our, in our community. But what I learned was that there was, there had to be another way for me to take care of myself. And I think learning about what is it that worked for me? What is it that didn't work for me? And it it was a journey. It was an exploration. So fast forward, we're here in this pandemic and everybody has different interpretations of different experiences of the pandemic. As an introvert for the first like several months, I was cool. I was, Hey, Cause I like being alone. <laughs> I, I like that quiet space, but also I have a seven-year-old who was, he was in kindergarten the year that, that, that was going on. And imagine I work from home having a kindergartner trying to do the homeschool thing. So then that was a whole dynamic and really having to learn, okay, this is what I need to be able to be good for my boy. This is what I need to be able to be good for myself. I think that's the value of knowing how we think to really be able to distinguish, okay, these thoughts creeping up are happening for a reason. Then it's not something wrong with me. I'm not broken. There's something going on out there that's impacting and understanding that and understanding ourselves and what we need gives us access to be able to put one foot in the front in front of the other some days because some days it really is just that and then other days to really be able to thrive and love and enjoy the fullness of life and what we do in it yeah I love that and a couple of things that you said I really want to emphasize again because there may be someone who's listening who might feel like I'm alone I'm struggling I want to quit and just for you to hear some of these valuable pearls again call somebody we forget I have actually really leaned into my virtual community in the last two years to the point that I have some, I have really some great, amazing friends who I have never met in real life. So know that, yes, it's true. Maybe you might not have someone in person that you can immediately tap into as a resource, but there is a virtual community that is out there. If you think about it, and maybe your family that is again, not quite local, but you can reach. So call someone. You don't have to do this alone. The second thing is to, again, just listen to ourselves to tap into our own inner resources. The thought something is wrong, something is wrong with me, I'm broken, or something has gone wrong. And that's why this is happening is not a thought that serves you. It's not a thought that's true. Nothing has gone wrong. This is the way it's, this is the way life is playing out now. How do you find the gift or the opportunity in that time? And how do you tap into not just your own resources, but the virtual community around you that you might not quite have tapped into yet. There were times I've had family illnesses or struggling with something going on with my kids that maybe I don't quite have access to locally to find out how do I get them help. 
but I've put it into virtual groups that I'm in, et cetera. And said, this is what my daughter is going through. How do I get some support for that? Or this is what I'm going through. How do I get support for that? Asking for help feels hard at first. I, I get it because I'm not a person to ask for help either. But the more I did and the more help I received from the universe, it really has changed how I offer help to others and definitely how I live in my everyday life. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that occurred for me, as you said, you're, you've ha- you have friends that you've gotten close <laughs> to that you've never met. I, I have that too. And it's interesting. Friendships look different these days. And one of the tenets of, of neuro-linguistic programming, one of the foundations is that the, the more behavioral flexibility, like our work is designed to increase behavioral flexibility. That's how we get people at the source of their lives. And so you can come to an obstacle and just step over it, walk around it, but not make a huge dramatic deal of the obstacle. See it, experience whatever you're going to experience about it, and then be like, all right, obstacle, and then walk around the obstacle. So that behavioral flexibility and 2020 and 2021 has presented numerous obstacles for us, hasn't it? And the way I love how you said reaching out, you may not have someone like in the city or next door or whatever it is, but there, if you lean into these, the virtual space that feels good and safe that you can trust for you, then you might find that you can create the deepest of friendships for within with people you've never met. I have a girlfriend of mine who we've known each other for, oh, since pre-pandemic, actually, she was in a program I was in and we just kept in touch probably like for, for going on five years now. And I've never met her. She probably was six hours away from me. I've never met her, but we are so close and we can hardly even believe it. We're like, I can't believe it. we talk like every other day. So yeah, this lean into that, the, the, the difference, the be flexible in how you seek your support. And I love that you spoke about flexibility. We didn't think about that as much. We, I think most of us, when we meet an obstacle, we're like, okay, I guess this road is closed. Sometimes we might even give up that path. Or if maybe we become a little creative about it, we might say, okay, let's see, maybe I can't go this path, but looking at another, exploring that for ourselves. Because I think again, in the last two years, what it has shown us, I agree, is that sometimes there are obstacles that come up that we could never predict. This pandemic, nobody could ever predict it. And if, I'm sure if someone had even told us this ahead of time, oh, something like this might happen. We would have thought, I would have thought it was science fiction or some paranoid theory. So the fact that really there could be a total shutdown, there could be no travel, there could be a change in the way we work, a change in the way we teach our children, homeschooling and all of those types of things. It's definitely been a huge change. I have actually seen some people... And it's been an inspiration for me too, for me to try and say, oh, I could do it this way. Sometimes if you don't know how to, when you hit an obstacle and you think, oh, I don't know what's going on, but you could look around, you could now there's a lot of stuff on social media and some of the resources that we have, but just look around and see what are ways, how do we bend, but not break when we hit an obstacle. And, and I think these tools of resilience that the pandemic has taught us, I can see it being carried through into so many other aspects of life. And I hope it's one of the gifts that we take from the pandemic that we have learned how to bend, how to navigate around, how to how to maybe go above an obstacle, whatever it may be, or create a new path. So I, I love that that you 
mentioned that. And one of the things that I hear a lot is my life circumstances are totally unique. And so I, I'm just, I just can't, I can't be flexible because of blah, X, Y, Z. And I would love for you to just share maybe some tools that you've used mindset shifts or things that you've helped your clients with when there is this overwhelming limiting belief that says, no, no, being stuck, being stuck is how you stay safe is what your brain tells you. Mm-hmm. So how do you work through a limiting belief like that? When you hit an obstacle, when you hit a place in your life where you do feel stuck and overwhelmed and your limiting belief is definitely not helping you get over that. I will say that the first thing that is quintessential is that the person has to want to do something different because I'll be very honest with you. There are plenty of people that I talk to who want to complain about the problems, but don't want to do anything about it. And Mm -hmm. so you have to distinguish for yourself. Are you really ready to do something about it? And I've had people that I've had to ask that question to who were honest and said, no. And I respect that. I respect when someone can say, no, I'm not ready to do anything about it. Like my discomfort is not large enough for me to make a change. So you have to distinguish that first. And then one of the, one of the things that I do with my clients, I sometimes just write in conversation is really try to, I call it chalking them down, get very specific about what the problem is, because sometimes when we're overwhelmed, it signifies that there's, we're in information overload. It's like, we have too much to think about at one time, but then if you really chunk down to what are the problems and some of the problems may be easier to solve. And like uh, when I first start working with clients who are burned out or who, who have, who feel this sort of overwhelm, the first thing that I do is I, I say, okay, let's make a list of all the problems. <laughs> and what that does, it just shifts the thinking like, oh yeah, this problem can be solved. And we can knock out 20% of the list, hour of speaking, just mm-hmm. solutions. But what happens is when we tell our, we tell ourselves the story of, oh, I can't because there's so much to do and I don't have any time. So the first thing you could really start to do is chunk yourself down, like really start to narrow it and be more specific about what are the various problems. And then the second thing is, what well, what are the problems that need to be solved? Like prioritize the problems, mm-hmm. the problems that actually need to be solved right now. What are the highest urgency problems? Because I have one client that's, oh, and I need to plan this trip for 2023 because we're going to, and I was like, and I need to fix the roof. Which problem can go off the list, right? For now. Mm-hmm. So we prioritize immediate next month or two next year, six months in a year. And then we we look at, okay, let's deal with the problems that are problems right now. And now what are the problems that are easy to solve that you can ask for help around that you can delegate out as a, as an example, I think you and I have spoken about this when we were talking about your, the work that you're doing with the habits is people get overwhelmed about shopping. I don't have time to eat healthy because I don't have time to shop healthy. And I'm like, have you heard of Instacart? Like I don't even <laughs> go to the grocery store anymore. I shop at three different stores on my phone. So just little things like that in terms of it, I, this is the way I work with people to shift their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not just telling a person you have a limiting belief. As a matter of fact, very rarely do I have people come to me and say, I have a problem with limiting beliefs that I need you to help me with. I have a problem with old stuck emotion that I need you to help me with. It's in the dialogue that I begin to help them to see. And when mm-hmm. they see that, oh, maybe this can be sh- changed, or maybe it's, maybe this is an emotion. This fear has me stuck. Then we can talk about the processes and the solutions to help them move. Yeah, I love it. And it's so true. We, I, I think our brain in an effort to keep us safe and not have to expend too much energy, but our brain tells us so many stories and, and we're so used to them. It's, it has become a belief that of course, this is what, this is true. But when you put it down onto paper, when you write it down and you really look at it and you go, oh, huh, maybe that is not so. And I love the idea of looking 
looking at, okay, what are all the things that need to be done, like really being detailed. So we're really looking at facts, not emotions, facts, but not thoughts. My thought is, oh, I have so much to do. I could never do anything. So let me just stop everything and go watch some Netflix. But the fact is I have five things to do or 10 things to do or 20 things to do, whatever it may be. And when you really, again, look at the facts, like you were saying, some of those things, some of those things probably don't need to be on the list right now, because if there are things that need to happen in spring or in, or next fall, or even 2023, maybe that could be on a separate list. Mm -hmm. So your brain is not looking at 20 things and saying, wow, in the next five seconds, I have to tackle all these 20 things, which of course, anybody would say, oh, alert, alert, please go Netflix. You don't want to deal with this. (laughs) So I think that really just getting down to what are, what is true and what are things that you can, I think we've talked a little bit about the, you can either automate, delegate, or eliminate. Do you need to be doing this? Can, do you have to be doing it or can someone else do it? And then once you determine there are things that you really need to do, then how do you automate it? And of course, yeah, the hobbit habits come into that. You can use other productivity tools to figure out how do you make this easier for you? So it's that mental fatigue of having to make decisions all the time, having to tap into your inner reserve of motivation and willpower, which we all have limited amounts of. How do we maybe minimize that a little bit and focus on, okay, this is now a habit. So I don't have to think about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great because one of the things also that I can see is that people have beliefs about what they can do, but then they also have beliefs about who they can be. And, and that's another flavor of limiting belief, right? Like my son and I were outside playing a little basketball and I'm not good at basketball, by the way, but I do love to shoot a little hoop from time to time with my seven-year-old who's about up to here on me and like not making use. He was, he's short like me and mm-hmm. he's trying to do the overhand and he's missing it. And he's like, oh, I'm never gonna be any good. And so all I say to him, never, like never, ever Delson. And then he's like, well, maybe <laughs> if I practice more. So like sometimes when you start to tease out the, and I'm going to say it, the ridiculousness of mm-hmm. the extreme. Mm-hmm. People can be like, okay, maybe. <laughs> or like people say, I'm just a horrible business person. And I say, who told you that? Who says that? Oh, I say that. Did somebody else say it though? Did the, the Grant Cardone tell you that you're a bad <laughs> business person or did mm-hmm. your someone else? No, the only person that said it was you. Mm-hmm. So then you made a decision. And that's something that actually is very critical is that we make these decisions about ourselves. And oftentimes these are not decisions that just pop up out of thin air. They're decisions that we have made a long time ago that we are not safe or that we are not good Mm -hmm. at something or we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or whatever. Like I made Mm -hmm. a decision at some point, probably in the 11th grade when I had a trigonometry class and my teacher was really mean and she didn't help me. And I just felt so inept that I was bad at math. Now I went on to get like an A in calculus, which I don't remember a lick of today, (laughs) but like I spent like a lot of time proving myself Mm -hmm. that I could be good at math because I had made up that I was bad at math. And so it was like, that's the thing that we, and by Mm -hmm. the way, like all that math stuff is resolved in my, for the people who are like, oh my God, I'm good with math. I still use a calculator, but I'm good. Using a calculator is a smart way to do math. It is. It is such an easy, smart, and fast way to do math. That's right. (laughs) It's a productivity tool, really. It is. It is. And and I love how you highlighted that. I think we do our mind. We love 
love to catastrophize something simple and say, this will, this will always be a struggle and I will never do something, et cetera. And, and that's bring up, is that really true? And asking ourselves when our brain says, oh, you suck at this. You will always be terrible cook or whatever things come up. Same thing. I never cooked very much growing up. And so I used to feel like, oh my God, everything I cook, I either burn or add too much salt or whatnot. And so it was honest, the journey for me to start cooking and baking started with me trying to prove something to myself. But along the way, I realized I love to cook. It is less about if somebody else like, like I actually love my cooking. And so it prompted me to think, wow, what other things am I missing out? Because I've told myself because of one experience or something that happened when I was a kid, when I was young, younger, that this is just something that I am not going to be good at. What else could I be loving if I just said, "Hmm, maybe I'll try this. I love that. What else could I be loving? How else, how much more fulfilling could I be living? Mm -hmm. And how much deeper and wider of an impact could I be making? Because, you know, now I'm in this world of diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. And when I first stepped into this idea of helping and training these affinity groups inside of big corporations, I was like, I don't have a degree in like African studies or African-American studies. I don't have an MBA. I don't have a background in history and education and like the history of diverse. I don't have any of that. I, I look, I'm just a doctor, right? Doctor with a passion. Yeah. But I really just, there's been so many times in my life where I've come up on these areas where of unknowing, but yeah, it's, there's this passion, there's this calling and, and then there's the commitment. Mm-hmm. And if you have a commitment that's bigger than the, the fear of the unknown, it pulls you through the fat. And it's not like you have to be unafraid. Come on, fear is like a human emotion. <laughs> and as my friend would call it the threat detection system. I love it. My friend, Dr. Kimia Sarah, mm-hmm. she calls it the threat detection system. It goes off whenever there's like a perceived or imagined threat or real threat too. But we have to distinguish like are the threats that are going on, is it a real or is, is it a real or is it an imagined threat or perceived threat? Mm-hmm. And we can stop and analyze what really, like you said, what's true, what's truly mm-hmm. a threat. Then we can connect with our body and say, okay, I know my body is feeling this, but I've analyzed the situation and it's not like an actual threat. It's something that I perceive to be true. So now I can step carefully through and, and then find on the other side that maybe it wasn't so much of a threat after all. And that's where I found is, oh, wow, I've stepped into this space and my voice is being heard. And it's like the, the value that I'm providing is much mm-hmm. even more than I thought that I could provide mm-hmm. just because I recognize, okay, the threat is, and I honored it and then still mm-hmm. moved forward anyway, speaking what my commitment and my passion is. I love it. I love it. What an inspiration for us to look at what are things, maybe emotions such as fear, frustration, et cetera, that kind of keeps us stuck from even trying because we think, oh, maybe what I have to offer isn't enough. But if each of us stepped into our own authentic voice and say, this is what I believe. These are my passions. This is what I have to share with the world. How much value we can bring and how many individuals we can help. We would never know until we get out there and try. And I hope it inspires everyone to think about maybe what is something of value that you have to share? What would it be like if you, if you honored that and stepped into it and did it anyway? And what could be something that would be adding value to your life that you could love, that you could find moments of joy in if again, honoring that fear and still moving ahead anyway, because fear doesn't just go away. It's still there, but it's just honoring that and saying, what could I still do anyway? And I love that. And how inspirational. 
Absolutely. So if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you and some of the resources that you offer and the programs that you offer, where would they find your information? The best place to start is drmaisha.com. There you can learn more about the resources I provide to the medical community. So if you're from the business entrepreneurship, I still do a little bit of that. But if you're looking more from this mind, I call it the mind remapping mm-hmm. aspect, you can tap into, I have a couple of webinars that are on that first page of free webinars you can tap into on the first page of the Dr. Maisha site. And you can learn a little bit more about the training that I do and the personal transformation coaching that I do as well. And by the way, I don't know when this is coming out, but I will be on the TEDx stage in Asheville, February 27th. That is amazing. (laughs) I'm so excited for you. I think that's incredible. And really, again, honoring the fact that you have owned that fear and moved on and provided value to so many people. So I can't wait to hear it. And I just, and again, I appreciate, it. I have to tell your listeners, listen, that you, the value that you are to me and I love what you do. I, and I hope that they will come and listen to your episode on my podcast as well. And I know you'll share that it's the black mind garden. So we had an amazing conversation and it's coming up. I am super excited as well. And thank you so much. I'll include all of that information the show notes. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate all the time that you've spent today and all the wisdom you've shared. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.